Maryville University and Maryville Hockey present Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Brought to you by Caesars Entertainment. Nationwide or worldwide, there will always be a Caesars Resort in the center of the action. Verizon Wireless, this is 5G built right. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Championship taste for lunch, dinner, or a pregame feast. Maryville University and Maryville Hockey. Big city lifestyle, small school feel, first class hockey experience. Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com for all of your hockey needs, on ice or in line. By OxyPow, our chemical free line of cleaning product gets the funk out of your equipment or office. By M-Drive, presenting partner of What Drives You, M-Drive for energy, stamina, recovery. By the University of Arizona. And by Summer Skates. Show off your team pride with shower shoes and koozies for the whole squad at IcetimeHockeySW.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Maryville University and Maryville University Hockey Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Stephen Marsh. All right, welcome in hockey fans, college hockey fans, club college hockey fans, ACHA hockey fans. Scott Strandy joining you not from Scottsdale, Arizona, not from Grand Forks, North Dakota, not from Fort Collins, Colorado, but Lake Elmo, Minnesota tonight as uh, we enter into day four of our NCHC slash North Dakota week. Uh, my co-host, Stephen Marsh, joins me as always from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Stephen, how are you tonight? Well, happy St. Patrick's Day to you and uh, doing well here. And hopefully the uh, luck of the Irish will be on the side of uh, us as we do this show today. And <laughs> as you continue on your adventures for the next few weeks and then uh, that the Golden Knights win and that we have just a lot of things. Hopefully the luck is on our side with everything going on, but for, uh, for the Southwest, let's put it that for the way. Southwest. Exactly. And uh, this being St. Patrick's day, hopefully everybody's celebrating safely as we're still in COVID times, even though things are starting to look good and we're opening up, you know, let's, let's everyone's can celebrate safely. Then we're good to go. And of course we're going to talk some ACHA hockey tonight, which is always a good thing. Uh, not only are we going to talk ACHA hockey, we're going to have the head coach from the quote defending, uh, national champions, the Minot State Beavers, who, of course, last year there was no uh, national tournament. So that means that the 2018-2019 champions, the uh, Minot State Beavers, head coach Wade Regeer is going to join us here in about 15 minutes or so. And uh, it's going to be so much fun, Stephen, to talk to Wade. And I talked to him a little bit today about uh, coming on the show, and uh, he gave me some insight on how they dealt with COVID and how they were able to get through their games and and things like that, but I want him to tell it straight out to our audience and to you and and everybody. So uh, we'll save that till then. Before we bring Wade on, though, we got to talk a little bit more about this national tournament because I think that's a good tease, by the way. That's a good tease, by the way. That's, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, he he he's got some great stuff, and uh, um, also celebrated a birthday, I think, yesterday, which is really unique because if he did, and I'm going to ask him for sure. Uh, if he did celebrate a birthday yesterday, he also celebrated with the head coach from the University of Arizona, Chad Berman, as well. So uh, we got lots of stuff to talk about, lots of stuff to dig through. But before that, I would like you to tell everybody that's listening how the national tournament is going to uh, play out this year. We are going to have the host of the national tournament and uh, our presenting partner, 
Maryville University Director of Hockey, John Hogan, next week. So that's another tease for you. And uh, you tell us how it's going to lay out this year because it's different than normal, isn't it, Stephen? You know, it's different than normal. It's a 16-team field. This is what we talked about uh, in our last show. And it's going to be just the division. Each division that's participating are going to be in different locations. Of course, we're talking about the Division One for the men in Maryville there in St. Louis. And what's also going to be different is they announced that it's not going to be open to just the general public. So there's a little bit of a, a spectator policy that the ACHA posted on their Facebook page, so people can can look at that if they want to look at that. But basically, spectators are there are going to be spectators, but it's not going to be the general public. And here's how it's going to go. I'll see if I can summarize this. The, each team, I suppose, uh, from what I understand, each team will get a uh, a list that they can submit of passes that they want to give for you know maybe the parents of the players, family members, whoever to come, and they'll be limited to uh, let's see, 75 uh, spectators. And uh, they'll be be able to go to their game. They won't be able to stay for all the games. They'll just be able to go to the game that team is playing in. And um, there's a cost for that. Each team will have. There's a cost for that, and people can look at that online. But um, there's a. So that's basically what's going to happen. There's policies to come and stuff. So basically, from that, there's not going to be tickets sold to the general public. It's going to be just basically a, a a list that each team can can compile of who they want to attend. Of course, there's a cost for that, you know, of, of how much that that is, and then, and then they can show up there. And um, I think that's probably a wise wise thing. And you know, we're still dealing with with COVID restrictions, and we're still dealing on, on the, hopefully the backside of this, and and you know, getting too many people cr- in an indoor setting. So uh, probably a smart way to, to go about it. We we we've seen that kind of take place with uh, with the conference basketball tournaments that were taking place March Madness in, in Indianapolis there in Indiana is going to have the limited spectators. But um, I think with, with some of the college basketball tournaments that we saw, there was at least the ones here in Vegas, most of them weren't open to the general public. They did allow select people to come in. So basically family members, friends, or those of the players of the teams of those teams to play. So at least those that really care about the team, which are the parents of the, of the athletes and, and maybe some friends and some other supporters of the program had a chance to see the team, but uh, next year, hopefully, you know, it'll get back to normal. And the general public will be able to go to, go to, to the ACHA tournament, but at least there'll be some, some spectators there uh, at, in St. Louis for, uh, for the ACHA tournament. Yeah. And you mentioned that St. Louis, just outside of St. Louis and Chesterfield is where uh, Maryville university and the, the Maryville hockey center is located. Um, of course, Maryville is our presenting partner of this show, which is great because, uh, John Hogan and, the, and everybody there does a great job of uh, supporting hockey and uh, developing hockey. Keep in mind, folks, this program is very, very young, and uh, they've done a great job in, in not only putting together a quality team but a quality operation. So happy for John. We'll have him on next week to talk about it. Um, it I just came, Stephen, from the NCHC tournament, as you know, up in Grand Forks, uh, Friday, Saturday, off Sunday, semifinals Monday, championship last night. Um, they have did, you get enough, did you get enough hockey? Uh, <laughs> did you get enough hockey? Uh, no, because I'm going to Mankato on Friday to see uh, Mankato State and Northern. So, no, I have not gotten enough hockey. <laughs> Can you ever get enough hockey, though? That's the question, right? We we, we yeah. learned that uh, the last year when we didn't have hockey, and we have a whole bunch of hockey now. So, anyways, exactly. go ahead and continue with your story. <laughs> okay, so anyway, they did have limited fans. I think last night the championship game had the most fans of any night. There was like 3,100 
They were spaced out very well around the Ralph Anglestead Arena. They were all wearing masks that I saw. I didn't see anybody not adhering to the mask policy. And uh, it was unique because at the University of North Dakota, they it's a production, right? It's a show. It's the best show in college hockey, hands down, I think. But they were showing the big screen, you know, and the kiss cam and all this and that. And everybody, when they got on there, if they had their mask down, they were, only, they were told that, to only put their mask down if they were actively eating or drinking. Well, the, what they would do is as soon as they saw themselves on there, the mask came right back up if it was off, and most of them were not off. So um, I thought they did a fantastic job. They did 1,040 tests on players and personnel involved in the tournament. 1,040 came back negative. So uh, I know you probably have heard that Denver came in shorthanded and, and – uh, uh, as well as Colorado College came in shorthanded, but those cases were before they arrived in Grand Forks. So the tournament in Grand Forks was done very, very well. Uh, commend Josh Fenton, who I had on the show last night, and uh, had a chance, if you, if you get a chance to go back and listen to that, you really want to hear it because he did a fantastic job of negotiating this whole season. But somebody else that's done that is Wade Regeer, the head coach at uh, at Minot State, and he'll tell us how he did that in a little bit. But um, I want you to tell us a little bit about the rankings because that's a curious thing right now. People want to know where everybody's ranked, and I know you got those, so go ahead and read those off for us if you will. Yeah, there's been a little bit of a change in the rankings. We, we've been talking about how Lindenwood – had been number one in the in the rankings, but it looks like uh, well, it is according to the latest rankings. Robert Morris has now taken the the lead, the lead, number one ranking, and they've only played three games. So here we we're going to get into that discussion in a minute. But uh, they were not ranked, and all of a sudden now they win three games, and they've jumped to number number one, and and uh, Adrian number two. They've played fourteen one and zero, so fifteen games they've played. That uh, so they were Liberty's number three. Lindenwood, who was number one, dropped to number four. Minot State moved down to number five. Uh, Kanisha's gets in there. They weren't previously ranked. They're now number six. Uh, Ohio moves up to number seven. They had a, a nice win uh, last week in one of their games. Uh, Lawrence Tech, number eight. Indiana Tech, number nine. Iowa State, number 10. So, again, here we go. And, and, and this is going to be – when are you ever going to see this? And we've talked about this before, but Ohio – They've, now they've played 15 games, so give them credit for that. They're two 13 and 0, and they're number seven in the rankings. You're never gonna, you see that. I don't care how, how these rankings are calculated. I mean, that when are you ever gonna see? You only <laughs> winning two two of your 15 games, and you're in the top 10. Go uh. figure. And then you got Robert Morris, who just I guess started playing, and they've got three games in, and they've had a good start, and so they they get the number one spot. So um, <laughs> I think one thing would be interesting to ask ask Coach Regeer when he comes on is how much do I mean. It was always question about the rankings in Normia, but how much do you do the rankings not really matter? Because it's a, I think it matters. Just you get a spot in the tournament, maybe who you, who you might play, and and I think if you're good, you're gonna be whoever. So I I think I think it really um, in this kind of a season because there's so we've talked about the imbalance of schedule. Some have played a lot of games. Some are only gonna play a few games. You know what? <laughs> yeah, I know what you're getting at here, and I want to bring this up too because, uh, as you know, we cover Denver Air Force, Colorado College in NCAA hockey along with Arizona State. Um, Denver came in uh, to the NCHC tournament a five seed. They played Omaha, the four seed. They beat Omaha by a goal um, to to advance to the semifinal game, and then uh, we're 90 seconds away from upsetting number one ranked North Dakota. 
um, and went home. But interesting enough, after the Omaha game, Stephen, uh, Coach Carl from Denver uh, opened up his press conference by saying, you know, guys, it's really hard to uh, end somebody's season <laughs> like we just did with Omaha. And uh, I think everybody's jaws dropped on press row because we're all going like, okay, hold on a minute here. Omaha was ahead of you, okay, in the rankings, and um, they, they had a better record. Uh, even Denver couldn't have gotten to a 500 record, even if they'd won the uh, NCHC tournament, which they did not. Uh, but, but it was very interesting when he said, yeah, there's no way that anybody could take Omaha over us in the national tournament. It's just, there's no way that could happen because we had a better record against them. We beat them in this tournament. And, uh, you know, he went on and on and on. He had a whole list of, of things of reasons why they should be selected. So that brings it up, uh, in the NCAA tournament and the ACHA tournament, how are you going to compare teams that haven't played the same number of games or haven't played any any light competition? How, how are you doing the ranking? And I just don't understand it. I know it's COVID, and I know we're going to have to deal with what it is. It is what it is. So uh, we'll just have to go with it. But, man, oh, man, Selection Sunday for NCAA is this Sunday. Uh, as we said, the rankings are out, and I'm sure that's how they're going to use some form of that uh, to determine the ACHA tournament field as well. So <laughs> when, when I hear that, I just go like, man, I would not want to be on a tournament committee. Um, and I'm going to advocate right now to say that, that the NCHC should get five teams in uh, Omaha and Denver should get in. And obviously the number three team, uh, University of Minnesota Duluth and number two, St. Cloud state and number one, North Dakota, got their automatic bid by winning the tournament. So all of those teams should be in, in my estimation. But uh, again, it's going to be really fun to go to talk to Coach Regeer and ask him what he thinks because he's played a ton of games and uh, has done it safely. Or they wouldn't have done it. He'll tell you that right up front. We wouldn't have played these games if we couldn't do it safely. So um, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, let's take a quick break, Stephen, and let's come back and uh, and hopefully we'll have Coach Regeer and we can go from there, Okay. Sounds good. Looking for a big school college hockey experience in a small school setting? Then Maryville University could be for you. Playing in the brand new 2000 seat Maryville University Hockey Center, the Saints enjoy a first class athletic experience as the men compete against ACHA powers such as Lindenwood, Central Oklahoma, and Missouri State. This year, the D1 men's team will start their third season of competition, adding an ACHA D2 men's team, as well as a new ACHA D1 women's team. All three teams will call this two-sheet, 84,000-square-foot arena home and give any player a varsity-level field. Located in the suburbs of St. Louis, Maryville is the second-fastest-growing private university in the country and offers both a world-class education and a first-class athletic experience. For more, go to MaryvilleSaints.com. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by offensive ribs? 
I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. All right, we're back. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly presented by Maryville University and the Maryville University Hockey Saints. Scott Strandy, not from Scottsdale, Arizona, or not even from Grand Forks tonight, but from Lake Elmo, Minnesota, uh, doing the show along with my co-host Stephen Marsh up in Las Vegas, Nevada. Stephen, it's our pleasure to welcome the uh, head coach of the defending ACHA D1 champions, Wade Regeer. Wade, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing great. Glad to have doing you well. on. Uh, you, you and I talked a little bit today, and I kind of briefed Stephen on what we talked about. But um, first thing I got to get to is I heard this rumor it was your birthday yesterday. Is that right? Uh, and possibly, I guess. Yeah, it comes by <laughs> well, once a year. It comes by so fast. But, uh, yeah, it did was. Well, well, first of all, happy belated birthday. And did you know that Coach Berman also had a birthday yesterday? No way. I tell you, that's a super small word. <laughs> I mean, as much as uh, Berman and I are, are rivals on the ice, we're good buddies off the ice, so it's uh, pretty crazy to have that same unique birthday. That's great hockey minds right there, I'm telling you. <laughs> okay, we're, we're over that hump. Um, I, I wanted to have you on, as I told you today when we chatted, that this is uh, North Dakota week for me. NCHC week was uh, in uh, tournament was in North Dakota, so I went down the list of all the people that I thought I could get on that would be great great conversationalist, uh, and you were one of them. So congratulations on that. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Hey, you know what? I uh, I knew if you'd be get, coming up in my region, uh, you know, you'd be calling me up one way or another. So I, I knew you figured that would happen. <laughs> so, so just to recap, uh, Eddie Christian on uh, Sunday. Uh, Monday night we had um, Mike Peluso. And uh, last night, we had the commissioner of the NCHC, which I guess isn't North Dakota, but anytime you get the commissioner, you take them, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and tonight, it's it's your opportunity to tell us about ACHA hockey. So I want to jump in feet first right now, because you told me a lot of interesting stuff today uh, on the phone. And uh, I want you to tell our audience, first of all, how you were able to negotiate uh, a COVID season because I thought you guys were fantastic and able to play as many games as you did. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it certainly has been a wild season uh, to say the least. Um, you know, to be honest with you, it start to start off honestly with our leadership and, and President Dr. Shirley and our athletic director Andy Carter and. You know, we had some meetings kind of early on and it was kind of a, a basis for, you know, who's playing, who's not, you know, try to figure out what in terms of going to happen of a schedule and then map out a plan that was going to be the absolute safest plan forward uh, for not only our, you know, our student athletes, our players, our opponents, uh, but also our fans. You know, there's no secret, you know, we have a very big following here in Minot. We draw, you know, very good crowds. And so trying to balance all those together. But the underlining thing was, is we had their full support in saying, hey, you know what, let's do whatever it takes to, to play games and as, as safe as possible. Uh, we have uh, the full resources of the administration in terms of testing to make sure that uh, each, uh, you know, player is getting quality testing. And then more importantly, making sure that we have proper protocols in place. Um, and, and knowing, hey, that there's going to be bumps in the road. And, um, and, and honestly, the for fortunate for us was the fact that to begin with, 
we knew that there was going to be a lot of teams that weren't going to be playing in the fall. And, and even just, you know, having that footprint on, you know, who are we going to play, even though we, you know, have the ability to be able to do it. Um, we need to have teams to play and fortunate for us, you know, it seems like in, in North Dakota here with Jamestown, you marry Williston, Botnell, um, that they were all going to be doing kind of the similar, you know, in terms of, Hey, let's do whatever it takes to, to, to play and give our student athletes an opportunity. Um, and so there was certainly some tough times. I mean, you know, as much as we followed every protocol in place, uh, you know, we certainly had a little bit of bumps in the road uh, in terms of, uh, you know, having our own issues. But we navigated through as, as best as we possibly could, um, you know, and, and we're actually pretty good in terms of, you know, the overall health of our guys. Um, and once we kind of weathered through the storm, we were we were very fortunate uh, in terms of saying, OK, who's alive and who's not in terms of teams across the national landscape. And, you know, I think our schedule changed probably about uh, 30,000 times. I feel like every day I was on the phone and, you know, and waiting patiently to, to make sure we didn't get any calls. And and as a matter of fact, there was a, the weekend before Thanksgiving. Um, we actually had a weekend off and I got a call from Wilson State's uh, coach, John Bocas, and him saying, hey, uh, you Mary just backed out. They have uh, COVID related issues. What's your status? And I said, you know what? We're, we're healthy. We got enough guys, you know, if we can get a bus and all of a sudden within 48 hours, we're going to Williston to play a game. So um, yeah, so we were very fortunate. Um, you know, our, like I said, our school, you know, full support, we worked hand in hand with them uh, to make things right. And, and, and not only for our program, but just having some restrictions in terms of our crowds. Um, but then we kind of North Dakota as a state, um, really weathered through the storm until Christmas. And, and basically we're fortunate since Christmas, um, you know, our state's been wide open with, with virtually no restrictions and, and really haven't seen any major issues with cases. So like I said, from the beginning, we're very fortunate, but it's certainly been a trying time for sure. Yeah, totally agree. I'm going to let Stephen jump in here in a minute, but I have one more for you because uh, it's more of a statement than really a question, but I've been so impressed with the hockey world, and I know you follow all levels of hockey, but I thought hockey really took the lead, uh, NHL on down, uh, as far as navigating through this. They realized the severity of the pandemic, but they did things right, and they kept themselves. The word that I told you today I was going to tell you about was relevancy, they kept all of their teams relevant. And one of the things I told uh, everybody that would listen to me in our podcast is that I, I think it's important, especially for ACHA clubs, to be relevant. Uh, even if you can't play, you need to keep your fan base engaged somehow, whether it's uh, having them uh, do something, uh, watching you in a scrimmage or, you know, promoting your program on a website, whatever it is. So tell us about uh, staying relevant and how much important or how important that was for you too. Oh, it, it's everything, you know, it's, it's been crazy to, you know, kind of see every school, every state, you know, uh, have different restrictions and different protocols and, you know, in terms of how, you know, their state or their health region or their, you know, health district or whatever to kind of, to, to navigate for those protocols um, and do whatever it takes, you know, and that's and that's something that, you know, our our program are, like I said, from day one with Dr. Shirley and Andy Carter and saying, hey, OK, you know what, if, if they're going to require you to test, you know, two to three times a day uh, or whatever a week or whatever it is to make it work. And so, you know, as a program, you have to you know, do whatever it takes in terms of your own um, you know, planning and, and practicing. And like you said, Scott, um, is to do, you know, keeping that level of, of hope, I guess, for that matter, but also don't just throw in your cards and, and basically, uh, you know, in certain cases, I know in some, like we're just watching now and um, you guys released the rankings, you saw, you know, Robert Morris University, I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit, but, 
you know, they, uh, you know, they did what they did as much as they could. They followed every protocol they possibly could to give their institution an ability to play. And, and we've seen in the last probably three weeks, probably at least another seven or eight teams come back online. And, you know, and I, I think that that's a big thing for it too, because, we all know, honestly, that this this really is kind of a one in a million kind of scenario. I mean, even here in North Dakota, um, the vaccination rates are just skyrocketing. Everybody is almost getting access to it. And it will be, honestly, by the May or, or June. Anybody who wants a vaccination, you know, should be able to get one. So, honestly, we, we should all be optimistic here by, you know, by midsummer or by next fall. We should be back to close to normal as we possibly can. And as you alluded to, Scott, if you didn't do anything and just kind of let your guys go, um, who knows what type of a program you might have. And so I know Chad's done a great job. I know, uh, you know, Anthony there in, in um, you know, you know, V. I know for Nick Fabrini in Illinois has done a tremendous job trying to keep things without any ice and scheduling and playing in Chicago and, um, and talking to a number of coaches out east that have been shut down and, and trying to do whatever it takes to kind of keep the, you know, hold their teams together. But I think, you know, this year is an anomaly and hopefully, you know, hopefully as a society, you know, more than anything else that, that everybody can kind of get through this and that we can kind of return to some sort of normalcy here in the fall. Yeah, well said. Stephen, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, Wade, thanks for joining us. Uh, and, you know, I want to look back because I was just – I've been looking at the last few days and, and we've we've seen – that we've reached, you know, one year since this kind of all really started taking place, and so uh, this is the first time we've had you on our show since all this. So I, I want to kind of go back uh, for a minute. You know, when you, when you look at last, you look at last year, and you look at this time last year. You know, you were getting ready for a national tournament. You guys were the defending champs. I guess you still are the defending champs because you won in 2019, and and then obviously the, everything that's changed up the last year, and then and then being able to you guys being one of the very few teams, as you said, to be able to kind of play from the fall all the way to now even when you've had some minor bump ups just kind of reflect on what this last year has been for you as a coach as a person just with, with being running this team and 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 just where we are now and and as you said we're kind of on the back end of this hopefully and we'll get to more normalcy here by the summer um yeah it, it's been a very very challenging season um you know top to bottom on just about everything that we do as an as an organization i mean it was even just you know, the, the heartfelt, you know, season ending was very, very hard, you know, for our program and especially our seniors. Um, you know, thankfully, they, you know, our, our seniors were all able to win a national title, as, as I'm assuming most, you know, teams have have aspirations to do it. But, you know, going into last that last national tournament, we certainly had, you know, goals to, to win it again. I mean, we were, you know, ranked high and we felt like we had the, you know, the tools to get it done again and, and, and may really make a run in it. We had a lot of returning, you know, key players that were, you know, veterans on our team. And so that was very devastating to kind of go through that, to like all programs once they know that their, their teams are shut down. But, you know, the off season was certainly had a lot of uncertainty and not only, you know, are we going to have a season? What's it going to look like? Um, and then, of course, you know, we're, we're 45 miles to the Canadian border and there's no secret. You know, we have a lot of Canadians on our program. You know, what is the border situation going to look like? And a lot of, you know, apprehension from parents. And, you know, I know Minot State is an institution and a lot of these states that have uh, a high number of Canadians probably didn't get those number of, of Canadians on their campuses just based on, you know, fear and saying, hey, you know, maybe I'll just, you know, stay home and, you know, in terms of those types of things. And, you know, at that time, you know, the cases in, in, in the United States were kind of soaring and, you know, in Canada, they were kind of held 
you know, at bay for a while there. And, and the numbers kind of flipped here in the last couple months. But uh, it was very weird. I mean, even just the whole recruiting process and having seven new recruits on our campus and six of them I had never met until their, you know, freshman <laughs> orientation. So, you know, it, it was kind of crazy, you know, having to schedule a meeting because normally, you know, we have a campus visit and then they're, you know, they're getting into their dorm or their apartment and they're coming in another weekend, you know, in terms of that. Um, it was very, uh, very interesting. But I, I think, honestly, more than anything else, uh, Steve, is the fact that, you know, we have really good leadership within our program. We've had uh, tournament MVP Blake Fournier. He's now in his third season as our captain. And I think our veterans really kind of bonded together in terms of, you know, the group chat and sticking together and saying, hey, let's, let's we're all in this together. You know, let's 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 go uh, stick together in terms of, you know, making sure that we're all safe and healthy. And, you know, let's make sure we get everybody registered and get our classes ready and get our departments together and and just kind of stick together. And I think that resolve really kind of let us navigate through this because uh, it certainly wouldn't take much for, you know, a player or two to just say, you know, there's too many testing going on. I, I just hate this, this process or, you know, I don't, you know, don't want to practice for two weeks on end and not know that our game just got canceled this weekend. And I think our guys just felt very, very fortunate. That's probably the best word. Very fortunate that, hey, you know, whenever you're feeling like, man, I don't feel like practicing or man, I, you know, our game schedules and now we're not playing at prime time that at the end of the day, you get to play. You know, you know, there's a lot of teams that aren't playing. Um, a lot of these guys have teammates and, and former former teammates that are playing at other colleges, either Division three schools or, you know, CAS in Canada or, you know, fellow teammates that are playing at other ACHA teams that they played at when they were in junior hockey. So that 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 ability to, is really kind of was a motivating force for our guys. Uh, but I'll tell you this, this has been one wild year uh, from planning um, and literally get waking up and having my coffee in the morning at, at 7.30 and just hoping I don't get a, a bad email from another team or a phone call from an opposing coach. So, uh, But hey, you know what, if that's the norm and that's what it takes to, to get us through this, then we certainly will. Well, let me follow up with that. How how much of a tool did you find out about Zoom? I mean, I you know, Zoom became everybody's best friend this last year. So, uh, I guess an, kind of a nice discovery there with with Zoom and being able to use that because he's right, you didn't have as many in person visits. Uh, oh you know, yeah. And so, so finding discovering Zoom and 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 being able to 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 find that out and what you could do with that and and ways you can you can keep the team connected that way or, or do your recruiting that way. That's probably a kind of a nice little benefit from, from this pandemic is finding out something like, Oh, we got this thing called zoom. You can bring people in, you can bring multiple people in, you can share stuff on a screen. You can, you can do stuff that way. Kind Absolutely. Of up, kind of opens up more doors. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like I don't know how many Zoom calls I've been on or what's the other one, Teams, I think it is, or whatever it is in terms of uh, you know, different times. Oh, yeah, it's been crazy how, how this has really kind of changed uh, a lot of things that we do and, you know, in our way of life. And, and, and I, I know even just for myself, you know, I've lived down in, in Minot for almost half my half my life. Uh, my wife and daughter are from here. And and, uh, you know, I'm originally from Canada. So, you know, we used to FaceTime my parents and, you know, just thinking it, it was a luxury and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. And so it, it really has changed, changed the game on, on everything that we do, um, you know, in terms of, you know, some of those early meetings with the boys and kind of giving them a chance to ask questions. And, and honestly, Steve, the, the, those, those questions early on were there was a lot of, you know, 
unknown. You know, we really didn't know too much about uh, this virus. And, you know, our players are getting very nervous in terms of, you know, what happens if we have an outbreak on our team? You know, what are the protocols? And, you know, at, you know, especially, you know, when we were sitting here in June, you know, as opposed to now, and we really have a lot of the data and the information and, you know, those type of things too. Um, but it really has been more efficient. Um, I'll tell you that, you know, there's certainly been a lot of meetings, you know, where which are a lot more quicker, you know, in, in terms of just getting, you know, on online and getting on your computer as opposed to having to drive across town. And, and I think that that's been a, a really big part of, of uh, our society. And, and hopefully, you know, we can find some balance because I'm, I'm still a face-to-face guy. I'm a, I'm a people person guy, you know, I'm a guy in terms of that. And yes, there's certainly some advantages to, to doing those things, but I hope that I can still, you know, get back to some normalcy with some of our regular beings because uh, there's definitely a personal touch for sure. Well, I absolutely know you're face to face person because I interviewed you were like ten, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, honestly, if uh, I, I told I told Scott there, I told them right kind of when uh, when we were talking. I get about a once a month if someone goes and Google's or YouTube's uh, my name or whatever, it shows up. And I think it was an assistant coach my first year. What was that two thousand eight? Yeah, um, it's so. got an email. Me, <laughs> Ice Time North Dakota was that? The yeah, that's it. Ice Time ND. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Small world. Okay, and now so. we're at, and now we're at Ice Time Southwest, and maybe twenty years, Scott, we'll move up somewhere else. It'll be Ice Time somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> ice Time the United States of America. Yeah, that, How about there that? There you go. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so, so Wade, you kind of led me into this. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit about the scheduling, and, and I'm going to preface this again with a, a reference to the NCAA, is that I don't know how the NCAA is going to choose their teams. Uh, Frank Serratore, as you know, uh, he told us his first goal was to play 13 games because that was the requirement for the NCAA. Uh, his second goal was to look at his win-loss record, and then his third goal was to hopefully win his, turn- his uh, conference tournament and get an auto bid. So that's the way he looked at it. He said, I don't see how they can use pairwise or anything because there was no, in his term, cross-pollination of schedules, which made it really difficult. So relating that to the ACHA, um, first of all, does it matter if you're in the tournament? Does it really matter where you're seated this year? That's the first question. And the second one is, how do you think you can fairly choose a number one seed? You know, good, very good questions. Uh, you know, honestly, y- your first question um, is pretty much right on the money. I mean, really, you just got to get to the dance. I mean, as much as um, you want to be as high as you possibly can, um, you just want to get to the dance and, and, and give yourself an opportunity to win. I mean, you know, I don't know how many times we were the number one seed. Uh, I think it was 2016, 2017. In 2018, we were the number one seed in the tournament, and we couldn't get to the championship game. We lost in the uh, quarterfinal to Iowa State, and then we lost in the semifinals to Central Oklahoma and Illinois, um, including one of the teams. I think we were like 40 and two, and and really had probably one of my best teams on talent. We just couldn't get through. Um, and then all of a sudden, in 2019, we were the sixth seed, and you know, kind of the youngest program that I had in my 10 years uh, to this day. I mean, we had uh, like 10 freshmen. I think we only had a couple seniors. We were young in all places and all of a sudden just got hot and, and won the national tournament. So to answer your first question, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you just want to get in. And I think in this COVID year, I think anybody's going to be thankful of the fact that they can get themselves into the tournament. Um, to answer your second question, you know, it is impossible, I think, you know, in terms of trying to de- decide 
you know, who truly is a number one team and who's not. Um, kind of what you alluded to with, with, with Frank, and we don't all know Frank, he's not short, uh, short breath. I mean, he goes long-winded <laughs> on his answers at just about anything that he talks about. But, uh, but it is impossible, and, it, and that's the tough part that we're dealing with because even for like ourselves, you know, this year, uh, you know, we normally would play teams like, you know, Berman's Arizona, or we would play Kirk Candy's Liberty, or we'd be playing for Greenies, you know, Illinois, or we would maybe make a trip out to, uh, you know, Chicago for Chicago Showcase or playing down in Colorado to play both those Colorado teams. And this year, you know, the only teams outside of Jamestown and Williston in our state were Iowa State. We played them for two games and we played four games with Midland University. So there really isn't a whole lot of crossover. And that's the challenge that we're all kind of facing. Um, you know, Jamestown was able to go play Adrian College. So that was kind of one of those big overlapping weekends. But other than that, there isn't a whole lot of, of swinging. I mean, even you're seeing Liberty and Ohio play each other, you know, probably six to eight times. Um, you know, you're going to see those St. Louis team area teams like Maryville, Missouri State, you know, McKendry, uh, Lindenwood kind of playing each other. And, you know, Lindenwood's been able to, to kind of squeeze in some of their, uh, you know, non-conference games that are into it. But it is, it's almost impossible. But, you know, as a coach, I've been around, you know, enough. And thank goodness it's 2021 where we have the ability to watch most of these games online. Um, I mean, going back 10 years, I mean, you couldn't see anything online. So you just would, you know, you'd almost look like uh, going to go onto a website and try to get the, ta- you know, someone would fax in a score sheet or something just to see what the scores were and stuff. But, uh, uh, but honestly, it's, then, it, and then maybe you'd see a, a, a YouTube video when YouTube started coming around with some grainy camcorder footage of maybe yeah. a couple of minutes of a game. But how far we've come from that? And- Absolutely. So yeah, no, there's certainly uh, really it, that's the only thing that's tough. Like I kind of, if I had my you know perfect world crystal ball, I would have loved to be able to incorporate some form of a, a coach's poll or something um, that would be a little bit more of an eye test than just strictly computers because. You know, perfect example was the rankings that just came out, you know, a handful of hours ago, you know, just wild swings in teams um, with, you know, hardly playing any games. And I know it's not their fault, you know, certainly not, uh, you know, each program is itself, you know, in terms of who they play. Uh, but there's a team, you know, like Lawrence Tank, I think there's ranked eight. They've played only three games, which was back in, I believe, in November. They haven't played a game since. And yet they're moving up to number eight, you know, playing dormant. So there's just little things like that I feel like would, would, would like to kind of shore up. Um, but honestly, at the end of the day, you know, we're really going to get to, you know, the top 16 teams that are in there. It doesn't matter what the seeds are. Um, you're going to have to go through it. I mean, we went through it in 2019. I honestly feel like in my 11 years as, as the head coach of our program, it was arguably one of the toughest paths to ever go through to win a national championship. I mean, we, we beat the runner up in Illinois in the first game, you know, we beat the number one seed defending champs, uh, Adrian college, who, I mean, we, we thought we were going to be running through a gauntlet. Then all of a sudden we had to play Lindenwood, the number one team. And then, you know, we're in playing Iowa state. So it doesn't matter. You know, they're all the games are going to be tough. It doesn't matter who you play. You just want to get in. So that's going to be the challenge. You know, and uh, I'll follow up that quickly if I can is uh, Coach Powers always tells me every time I visit with him about ACHA hockey, he says, uh, in his mind, that is the toughest trophy to win is a national championship in ACHA hockey because it's one and done. It's back-to-back games. The teams are all pretty solid when it's a 20-man team. So I can imagine with 16, it's still going to be pretty solid. But in your estimation, I think you're going to tell me the same thing. It's the toughest tournament in hockey to win, isn't it? 
Oh, it certainly is. I mean, there's absolutely no breaks. I mean, you know, even just at Division One, you know, they have the regionals to get to the, you know, the Frozen Four. And, you know, even watching uh, college basketball, you know, you have your different, you know, your regionals to the Sweet 16s to your, you know, the Final Four. And there's breaks in there, you know, and for us, it's it's four and four nights. And, and honestly, uh, I think that if if we didn't play another team in Iowa State who also had to play four and four nights, I honestly don't know if we would have had enough gas to win it. You know, if we would have had to play, you know, a Lindenwood or an Adrian team that had only played three and three nights, I feel like they probably would have had just a little bit more push than we would have. Um, I know we would have been in the game, but uh, it it is one of those things where it is absolutely tough. And I feel like same thing, even with uh, Illinois, you know, the year prior, you know, they had to run, I think, four and four nights and they ran into Adrian who, you know, beat them in the championship game, but they had to get through us. And that semifinal game was a battle. I mean, their goaltender stood on his head. I think we outshot him 45-20, you know, and it just was really unbelievable. And, they, you know, to get through us in a 3-2 game, um, it kind of wore them down, I'm assuming, a little bit. So um, it is. It really is. And, and as much as I like to say that there's some coaching and, you know, and you really feel like you have the best game plan forward, you do have to have a few breaks go your way. There's no doubt about it. I mean, even in our in our, our quarterfinal game against Adrian College, we took a bad, really bad penalty right before the start of the third period. And we had a defenseman and one of our leading scorers in the box. And the ref came up to me and said, you know, hey, Wade, which, you know, there, there's penalties on both of them. Which one of them do you want left out? And I was mad at my forward, my one of my top scorers, because he was the one that took the extra penalty. So I said, all right, throw my defenseman, put Kyle, he'll be the one to come out. <laughs> well, what happens? He spurns out of the bench out of, on the penalty, gets a breakaway and scores to tie the game, and all of a sudden the rest is history. So <laughs> wild story. And, and like I said, I tell even Shane Chestak to this day, I said, you know, you would be the guy, but you took a bad penalty. So, yeah, as Greg Greg Power said, it is is honestly one of the hardest, you know, uh, trophies to win in, in four and four games. I mean, these guys are absolutely – you know, they're gassed, they're tired at the end. And, and and that's why, you know, I feel like it'll bring the best out of anybody. And that's why if, you know, you just got to get into the tournament. I'm going to lead Steven into this question. So uh, for those that don't know, this is your second and you're the defending champions because of the COVID. You're, you're going to be the team coming in there with the biggest target, I think, um, when you arrive at, uh, at Chesterfield. Um but but the other thing, uh, Wade, is that uh, when you look at uh, the teams that are competing at this level, I mean, they're just so solid. And uh, is there going to be anything different that you're going to try to do in a COVID year that you maybe would not have done or would have done differently in a regular season in preparation? Very, very good uh, question, Scott. I mean, the pr- first thing is, is there's absolutely not really any film to watch. I mean – you know, for us, you know, last year, you know, you get, you know, you win your game and then you'd, you'd anticipate within, you know, a game or two who you'd be possibly playing and you could go back and see, you know, on YouTube or hockey TV or whatever their hosting site and be able to prepare. This is not going to be the case because there, there's some issues. Some people haven't been able to, to, to get their games covered. I know that there's been some issues across the board in terms of some scheduling and trying to find some of that stuff. Um, it is going to be a challenge because, you know, also there's been so much roster turnover, you know, you've really kind of, especially this year, you've seen, you know, some of these powerhouse programs, um, you know, maybe take a step back, they're rebuilding, they don't have some of the same faces, Uh, you know, there's just been a lot of change in terms of that. Plus, 
you know, we're not seeing some of the same teams that we would normally see at the national tournament because they just aren't playing. So, you know, my biggest thing is going to be uh, trying to adjust our preparation as best as we possibly can, you know, from what resources we have available. But on the same breath with my ex, you know, my experience at this national tournament is you just can't sit back. You can't, you can't sit back and wait. You have to be able to dictate right from the get-go and be very physical. And that's always been kind of our DNA, especially with some of these farm boys from uh, the middle of Manitoba and Saskatchewan, you know, these boys <laughs> that, uh, you know, big and burly is that, you know, just go out there and hit everything that moves, you know, don't sit back. Cause certainly in terms <laughs> of, you know, some of these games, you don't want to be in a one, one game and, and all of a sudden it takes one bad penalty and, you know, they score or make one bad break and, you know, put yourself in a, in a situation that you want to be the one that's getting hunted. So you got to get off to a hot start. You got to be very uh, aggressive in terms of how you play. And then more importantly, I think this is going to be the, the challenge too, is that, you know, there's going to be some strict, you know, fan restrictions that are going to be in place. Yeah, there's going to be some fans allowed, but it's going to be pretty empty in there. And so you got to really generate your own energy. You know, you're used to even even when we were in Texas there for 2019, I think you probably had at least 200, you know, 100 to 200 people that came from Minot or wherever from North Dakota came down. And so they, it got a little loud in there. We would score, but you know, they would bring some energy. Well, here, you know, we're not going to hardly have anybody there. We've got a handful of players that will be able to have some family there. But so generating your own energy is going to be critical because it's going to be a, a unique season. And then more importantly is absolutely doing everything you possibly can as safe as you possibly can. There's going to be no, you know, just walking to Subway and getting yourself something to eat or walking to the gas station and doing whatever. Like you're going to be hotel to rank back to hotel and 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 being as as safe as you as you possibly can because that's going to be critical because there's nothing worse than you know having the aspirations like we saw in basketball there with duke and virginia and you know their seasons are flipped upside down because they're testing positive at the tournament okay steven i'm gonna let you walk into this question but i'm gonna tell you right off the get-go that's a great head coach when he can relate to uh, certain plays and actions from, from years past. <laughs> Go ahead, Stephen. Yeah, so I, as you were just talking there, it, it brought up something that I would want to ask real quick, and I'm going to get into another question, is you mentioned that because of the way this season has transpired, a lot of teams aren't able to play. Maybe it gives an opportunity for some new teams that maybe would normally get an opportunity to really compete in the national tournament a chance to compete in the national tournament. So how cool is it for that in that regard? And, and again, you mentioned the challenges for that is, is you haven't seen them a lot, but just being able to maybe see some, some new faces that you normally wouldn't see in the tournament because, you know, there's, there's so many teams playing competing this year, not as many teams have the opportunity to compete. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it is, you know, for, you know, for me, you know, this is 11 years and, you know, knock on wood, I and I don't envision us falling very far and, and us obviously being there in the national tournament in, in a few weeks. But, you know, being there 11 years in a row, uh, you know, in the last few years, you've kind of seen a steady stream of the same programs. You know, the CCHL is just a powerhouse and usually four or five teams from there or you'd see, you know, uh, Gary Ostalis' program there and you talk about Michigan and, and being able to see the same old Davenports and Dearborns and those type of programs, you know, get themselves in there. Um, it's going to be unique and you know what, it's probably a good thing, you know, it being a chance for, you know, some of these programs that have really actually, you know, despite, you know, with the teams that have been playing or haven't been playing, have had really good seasons. I mean, you know, John's program there in Maryville, I think they got probably got off to a little bit of a, 
you know, maybe inconsistent start and all of a sudden, boy, they've played really good down the stretch. Now you've seen, uh, you know, Jeremy Law's Missouri State program who, you know, again, had some inconsistency early on and, you know, they're battling with teams like Midland and all of a sudden, you know, they're playing uh, Lindenwood and pushing them to overtime and, and really making them work their game. And then all of a sudden you see like an Ohio Bobcat powerhouse team come out to basically one of their worst starts in their program history. I think they were like one in 10 and, and then upsetting, you know, the number one team in, in Lindenwood. Um, and so you've really kind of seen, um, you know, some really good parody. And I honestly think, you know, this could be one of the wildest uh, national tournaments that we've ever seen and kind of expect, you know, uh, if not upsets, you're going to see some wild, you know, kind of finishes and, and games being a lot tighter than we are because there just really isn't, there's just not that familiarity and there's not enough games to really kind of get into those types of groups when, you know, even the best teams are, you know, are only playing 10, 11 games or maybe 12 games, you know, so those are, those are going to be critical. So, uh, you know, it's going to be great games. I tell you, you know, the, the, whoever's doing the broadcast, man, they're going to be, they're going to be spoiled, I tell you, by some wild finishes and, you know, goals late to send to overtimes. And I just hope we're not in the – like we were in 2019 where the game before us was Dearborn and Iowa State and that went into double <laughs> overtime. And I'm sending my marketing guy to the grocery store to get some bread and peanut butter and bananas and whatever. Like we could be – you know, this could go three overtimes and we're all – guys are all get their half their gear on. So uh, – but it's great to see. It's great to see some of these programs – you know, kind of really get themselves into the mix. And, and uh, you know, I, I some of these programs, we've never played in my history. I mean, Canisius is in there. You know, we've never played them. Like Aquinas, you know, we haven't played Indiana Tech. You know, some of these teams that, that are kind of out east, you know, out in Michigan, uh, we haven't played these teams. Even, you know, Robert Morris, that's currently ranked number one. I mean, I think it's probably been almost 10 years we played him in a Chicago uh, Chicago Showcase uh, Dave Fryer was the coach at the time, and I, I, I like I think that's the last time we played them. I don't know if we played them before. So uh, you know, we got Mercyhurst potentially get into their you know auto bid, and I don't think we've played them in probably twelve years. We've never played Maryville, you know, who's in the mix. You know, it's been uh, three seasons since we played Missouri State. So yes, it's going to be uh, uh, to to answer your question, Stephen. It's going to be a, interesting, and I tell you, it's going to be fun to watch. That national tournament is going to be. Uh, exciting hockey. I think people are going to be in for a treat. And Scott, you're going to be spoiled. You got spoiled at the NCHC, and if you, if you be there at the <laughs> ACHA tournament in, next month, you should be spoiled to some good hockey. Yeah, I, wanna I can't wait. Yeah, I want to follow up real quick, though. Kind of turn away from the tournament real quick. I want to focus on the Southwest, which is what a lot of what you know we focus on here with UNLV, ASU. Now that you have a chance to, to see these teams the last few years since UNLV went Division One, and, and since these other teams have kind of come into the fold, what is your pulse on the hockey out here in the Southwest area with UNLV, U of A, as you mentioned, ASU, Colorado schools? Um, as you've had the chance to travel out here and play them, they've come and played you. A lot of good battles. When I've, when I've seen you guys play UNLV here in Vegas, it's, it's been some good games a lot of the times. So just talk about maybe what you feel like the pulse of the hockey out, is out here and how much, how, how nice is it to see that it's, it seems like it's been growing out here in this area. No, oh, it's been absolutely tremendous. I mean, not only – you know, not only are we seeing, you know, these programs out in that region, which honestly, we've probably gone out there, I think once a year, pretty much in my 11 years, except for this year, we've gone out there every year. You know, I know, you know, when it was back when, you know, Greg Powers and us were battling back in the kind of the 2010s, I guess you'd say 2010 through before 2014, before they would make that, you know, jump up, we would always be, 
making a trip there. And even when Sean Hogan was at Arizona and then the transformation to, you know, Chad kind of running the show, uh, we've seen the quality of hockey, A, be, you know, outstanding. You know, uh, even, you know, Tate's done a great job at ASU there. You know, they've, they had a really good season this past year. And and uh, certainly with what Chad's done in his powerhouse program in Arizona. And, you know, I just love playing him because it's a chess match. I tell you, you know, I've never... I've never had a chess match more with the coach than him. And, you know, and I, even just, you know, him knowing our face-off plays and having to change those up and just, you know, our line combinations and those type of things. And it's kind of fun that, you know, it's kind of a fun way to to do it because that's just what they do at the pro level. But, uh, you know, Anthony's program there at UNLV, they've been a tremendous job. Um, Danny's doing a lot of more work in terms of what he wants to do, at, you know, at Grand Canyon, but he has, you know, lofty goals, which is very, very exciting. But the biggest thing I think, you know, for us is, you know, here at Minus State, we, we feel like we do a very, very good job off the ice. Like our off the ice stuff, we feel like we're, we do a tremendous job from, you know, our, our social media stuff and our broadcasting stuff and, you know, just overall promotion of, of our student athletes and what we do as a program. And those guys do a tremendous job as well. And, and, and that reflects in, you know, the followers that they're doing and the crowds that they do. And then what happens is that actually works well for all of us. Like that's a really big recruiting tool for all of us. And I know that sounds, you know, kind of, uh, counterintuitive a little bit, but if UNLV does really good and and sells out their rink and just has really good following, that's really that's actually a benefit for us as well. Because when we go there, it's a selling point for our recruits to say, "Hey, we go and we play against these teams, and they have really good crowds." Or you know, our recruits are looking at their social media and they're following along, and then being able to say, "Who do you play?" and we can n- name off these programs. And so those teams down there have done a tremendous job. Um, it's just too bad that they've they've expanded so quickly out there because then we kind of get slided out here. I mean, for a number of years, you know, we would always get U of A up here because there'd be nobody else kind of, you know, in the region. I mean, they would just, of course, you know, when Sean Hogan was there, he couldn't get any quality games to come play him, and we loved it in terms of that stuff. So, uh, but yeah, it like I said, it's been great, and those are great relationships that I have with all those coaches, and of course. You know, we've, we've always had a great relationship with the Colorado schools. You know, that's one of our shorter, shorter bus trips. And, you know, we're working hard to try to work on better relationships with the, both those programs. But, you know, it, it's tremendous. It's great for the growth of hockey. You know, it, they do everything the right way from their recruiting to their off-ice stuff, their hockey play, their teams are really good. And I think that that's just, that bodes well for all of us. And especially in terms of recruiting, you know, when – you know, Chad Berman's got a couple NAHL kids and you think selfishly like, holy cow, he's got some pretty good recruits there. That's actually really good for us because we have a, the minor Minotauros that we share the rink with. And when I've had conversations with them, I want to relay that information to them saying, yes, there are other tier two kids playing. And here they are. A couple of them are playing at the University of Arizona. A couple of them are playing at Liberty University. A couple at Ohio, Lindenwood, you know, start naming these off. And it becomes a, a, a really big selling point for them to say that the ACHA is a, a very viable option for them and maybe a better fit than, than any other program they're looking at. Okay. I'm going to finish it up, but, and I know we kept you longer than I told you, but <laughs> there's so many things to talk about. I have two questions for you, and they're going to be good ones, so get ready. Uh, the first one is with uh, the ACHA and NCAA allowing additional years, it really puts a crimp if you will into some of the scheduled paths for players 
So the first question is, do you anticipate in next season having players that you might not have gotten for a year because they couldn't join their NCAA team or they couldn't go back to their junior team because they outaged or whatever? That's number one. And number two is wrap it up by telling us about your team this year and what you expect uh, when you get to Chesterfield because I know you're getting there. Yeah, no, it's very, very good question, Scott. Um, I'm fortunate enough that my my assistant coach, Wyatt Wasselenchuk, is also the main assistant for the Minot Minotaurals. Um, he was my longtime assistant, and there was kind of a chain of change of uh, the guard as Marty Murray, the former you know, longtime Minotaurals coach, took the Sioux Falls job, and they promoted um, Shane Wagner to take his spot. So, so Wyatt's involved in a lot of those conversations with his players and a lot of Division One coaches. I think he's having daily conversations, and it is an absolute. Uh, I won't. I don't want to say mess, but it is a challenge um, because not only are there the extra year granted for these NCA players, but also a lot of these pro leagues didn't play. And you know, normally these Division One players you know, either be goaltenders or players. And as soon as their seasons would be eliminated, they would be gone. They'd be off to the East Coast or they would, you know, be signing in the SP or where the AHL or wherever they would be going. And those opportunities aren't there. And so these players are really, you know, staying back. And the same thing is happening in Canada with with CIS or what I believe it's called U-Sports. And that is putting a, a enormous pressure uh, on the availability of spots. And so it's going to be very, very interesting. Um, I'm being very patient um, and actually our own program is that I only actually have three players graduating. So, you know, it's one of those things where I'm having the luxury of, of being a little bit more picky in terms of the spots that we fill because we don't, we just don't have as many sp- spots to fill um, and very feeling very comfortable about our roster. But to, to answer your Scott, uh, answer your question, Scott, it has changed the dynamic. Recruiting has been very, very tough. And I know Wyatt's had challenges with some of his program uh, players with the Toros because they're looking for places to play and there just isn't the spots. And I've had uh, good conversations uh, with Leon Hayward, the assistant coach at, at CC there, um, and kind of had alluded to the same thing that they're, with the year to year of granted of eligibility, players are electing to do it because the option of playing pro hockey isn't there or there's just so much uncertainty they're not taking it. So it's going to be interesting you know, we cross those bridges as they come in terms of recruiting because <laughs> uh, you just never know. And and honestly, in my my time, we always get, I like to say, a, a gift or two uh, late in the summer for those exact same reasons. Something happens. A player we really wanted early on, you know, had an opportunity to play, uh, you know, for a, a Division One team or thought he had an op- open spot and then that spot closed. And, and now he's looking back at his second options and, you know, kind of falls back to us. And that happens quite frequently. You know, or if you go back uh, almost uh, eight years to our 2013 national championship team, uh, we got a gift in, in Jordan Willard, who was a local player playing at the University of Nome- uh, Nebraska Omaha, was from Minot, and uh, came back. Had, we were flooded that year, so he did everything he could to help his family. And all of a sudden, I get a text from him, and it was, I think the Avalanche were playing the playoffs that year. He's a big Avalanche fan, and he texts me, he's like, you know, hey, are you in your office tomorrow? I said, yeah, I am. And he's like, where do I sign? I want to play. And it's like, holy cow, it was a first Division One player to come back and play for us. So it, uh, so it, it does, it does, it, it, which is remarkable. But it, it's happened a heck of a lot more here in the ACHA in the last few years. But uh, but to answer your second question, um, hey, you know what? We're It's Minot State, and I, I know sometimes it, it sounds – you know, cocky or, or conceited or, or anything. And I certainly don't ever want to come off that way, especially as I'm, I'm talking on a public forum, but 
you know, for our program, it's, it's a championship or bust every year. That's just, that's just our mentality. That's just our goal. That's, you know, who we are, you know, we, we feel like, uh, you know, we have all the tools uh, to get it done. We have the roster to put it together. It's just a matter of, of us, you know, applying that at the national tournament. And, you know, there's I, teams we've had that we felt like are the best, like I said earlier, our 20, 2017, 2018 team, uh, was 40 and two, uh, was just absolutely steamrolling through teams late in the season and got ran into a hot goaltender in the University of Illinois and and we lost that game and it's just that's how tough it is. So so this year's program, I feel like uh, you know again we got to get there. You know we we still have a handful of games left. We got to get there. We got to work on a few things with you know our team and but we do feel like we have the the pieces and and hopefully they they meet at the right time and. And I tell you, it's going to be tough. I mean, we're just whoever we play, it's going to be a challenge. And I've looked at the rosters that, you know, some of these teams ahead of us in the rankings and Lindenwood and Liberty and Adrian. I mean, we had battles with Iowa State that's just right behind us. And even even Jamestown, who we have literally had no no game more than two goals, an absolute war. We played them, I think it's 12 times and they're ranked 12th. I mean, they are as good as we are, if not better sometimes. So I tell you, I just, you know, it's crazy how these rankings are. But like you, from your start, Scott, just get into the tournament. Hope you play hot. And that's going to be our aspirations for sure. Well, we wish you the best of luck. I think you got a game tomorrow night, don't you? We do. Yeah, absolutely. Again, that was, we were, hey, this was a weekend we had originally scheduled to go down to Colorado. We had, you know, I think we had two weekends set up with the Colorados and, you know, I think both us and Jamestown, we're, we're going to be going down to play, you know, CSU and CU and obviously their programs had, had gotten shut down. And so then, you know, about a month ago, we're looking at the schedule and it's like, I've got you, Mary, and he's got nothing for three weeks. So, you know, let's maybe spread these things out. So we were able to play them, you know, in Jamestown on Friday, this past Friday, and they'll say we'll play them on Thursday. So, but it's looking like we'll play him probably at least another two or four more times here before the season. But, you know, as much as, as much as we play them, whatever it is, 12 or 14 times at the end of the day, our guys get to play and that's, that's all that matters. You know what? We could be not playing and that's the alternative. So I think our guys take that with appreciation and say, Hey, we have the opportunity to play. It doesn't matter who we get to play. Let's just take it as that. We're fortunate that our, our school and our full support of our institution is, is allowing us to play and, Let's just take full advantage of it. All right, Wade. Thanks so much for joining me on short notice, especially. And uh, best of luck to you. I will see you in Chesterfield because I know you're getting there. So uh, I will see you down there. And, and best of luck in winning another championship for uh, Minot State. Absolutely. We look forward to it. And uh, thanks for everything you do with the uh, ACHA, Scott. I tell you, kind of when we talked on the phone before uh, this afternoon, it's it's really it's a big thing that we get more exposure and you're doing a tremendous job. And anytime uh, we get uh, good exposure from social media or podcasts or whatever, um, it really helps us, you know, kind of grow our game and gives us, uh, you know, spotlight that we truly get for our student athletes and our programs. I appreciate that. Have a great night. And uh, like I said, we'll see you in a couple of weeks in Chesterfield. Awesome. Thanks Scott. Yep, absolutely. That is uh, Wade Regeer, the head coach of the two time defending or, two-time champions at the ACHA D1. Stephen and I are going to take a quick break, and then we'll quickly come back and wrap things up on another episode of Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Your hometown hockey team. Your Western Collegiate Hockey League champions. Your Arizona Wildcats. 
Tickets for Arizona hockey are now on sale. Support your Wildcats as they battle ASU for another Cactus Cup championship and more at the Tucson Arena. Your hockey team, your Arizona Wildcats. Call 791-4101 for tickets now. If you live in the Valley, you know that there are no shortage of options when it comes to eating Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste combined with a fair price and a relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. From the breakfast burritos, which are served all day, to the combination plates for lunch, Burrito Express delivers that homemade taste you would expect from your own kitchen. Try all of our authentic Mexican recipes at any of our six East Valley locations, from Scottsdale to Gilbert and all points in between. ASU alumni owned and operated since 1995. Go to burritoexpress.com and check out our menu or find a location to order for fast pickup or delivery. UNLV Rebel Hockey, located in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, is proud to partner with Ice Time Hockey Southwest. As a premier ACHA Division I university, UNLV offers a unique chance to play college hockey. Experience a pro setting in Hockey Mad Las Vegas while you earn your degree in any of our over 300 majors in one of the world's destination cities. If this sounds right for you, then visit us at rebelhockey.com to get your future started today. All right, we're back. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly presented by Maryville University and the Maryville Hockey Saints. Scott Strandy, not in uh, Scottsdale or Grand Forks or anywhere like that in Lake Elmo, Minnesota tonight. Stephen Marsh with me from uh, beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Stephen, we ran long, so uh, give me your thoughts, first of all, just on uh, the conversation with Coach Regeer, and then uh, jump into your wrap. Well, you know, he's he, he's – a great coach. Uh, they they have a great program up there, and it goes back to a lot of what we we talk about how great the the teams are in this area and and in this league and how well coached they are. Um, you know they they expect to to win, and and it's also remarkable too that they have been able to to play essentially a a full season at least being able to play in the fall and in the in the spring. They they said that they had they did have some hiccups like like other teams did, but to be able to navigate on the fly, being able to change things. And, and as they said, they had games that were open. They were getting contact. Hey, do you want to play? And they were able to get things together really quickly. That's that's great. That's great to see. And and um, he's got a lot of praise for the other teams and, and how great the hockey has gotten in this at this level. So that was great. You know, one thing he also said, too, that I thought was was important when, when, he had, when we asked about, you know, the hockey here in the Southwest and just – how successful it's getting, and he said it was important for for those teams to have be successful. You know, he said that it would help with recruiting of all the teams, being able to bring players coming and say, "Hey, we're going to go play this team, and they're a really good team. We get to play this really good team. We get to play this really good team." I, I think it's great. Yeah, if you have a bunch of if you have a bunch of great uh, competition, great level talent, the teams that you're playing against, it does make the drive to want to come play for that school or this school better. I think it. It certainly is a good draw for for UNLV too because they they the success that they've had and and they've been able to to get these players and and this to see that they get to go up against Minot and they they have good battles with them and and they 
they've beaten them a couple of times in in their his in the in the past, and and they're always close games, and the level of hockey's great, and you get to compete on this highest level. So, um, it's yeah. important. Th- yeah, it's important. Let me put a cap on that for you because in addition to what you just said, I think it's also extremely important uh, that they go to great facilities like City National and the Tucson Arena. And, you know, they have fan bases that are supportive because kids like to play in front of people and they like to play in good venues. So I think that's extremely important as well. And as well as the competition on the ice and the, and the coaching staff, you talked about how he chess matched with Chad Berman. I still put that on the fact that they both have the same birthday, but uh, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Uh, so, yeah, I think the fans and the facilities play a, a big part of it as well. So, okay. Take well, it's going to be interesting for, it's going to be interesting too for them because he, he mentioned this kind of maybe a challenge that they might, face at the tournament is that it's going to be very limited uh, fans and you know we're so used in the last year as we've been long so we didn't really have time to fully reflect on this past year with the COVID pandemic we've seen a lot of sports this last year with with empty stadiums and empty arenas and stuff and and they've they've been kind of fortunate they've been able to have limit you know fans or some sort of fans in in from the get-go because from from the start of their season so uh, they haven't really experienced i guess too much of what it's like to play an empty building maybe they did a little bit when they went on the road but you know now they're going to go to the national tournament and and it's going to be it's going to be a different environment because there's not going to be a lot of noise in there because of the there's going to be a limited amount of people uh so it's it'll be interesting to see how they can adapt to that also they're going to have to be very disciplined about what they do or they don't do and and that's something that we still have to to remember well, that that's still a thing right now. And so. I think Wade Regeer, if anybody is prepared and will have his team prepared, uh, you don't just win two uh, national championships at the ACHA D1 level in what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years uh, if you're not doing something right. So uh, No, but it's going to be it's gonna be some great hockey because uh, it, it's going to be, as we said, the teams of the competition level – uh, some teams that aren't in it normally are going to be in it, and you don't see those teams very much, as he said. There's teams that they're going to probably see that they've never seen or they haven't seen in a long time, and that's that could be tough, as he said. That it's going to be tough to get video and really see see what their 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 gameplay is and how they play, and and that could make it a very uh, it, very exciting tournament because you just you just don't know what's going to happen, which is what we like to see in these kind of tournaments. We we'll see with basketball March Madness every year. We see if Frozen yep. Four. We see with the with with the ACHA, but even more so, I think this year. So, stay tuned. And I know you're looking forward to being there in April. So that that'll be fun for you. You're just going to get to see some really good hockey here in the last month or so, which is yeah, great because last doubt. year we didn't have a lot of hockey, and now we have more hockey than well, not more hockey than we can handle. We can never handle too much. But. <laughs> But you were telling me the other day. You texted me saying you were tired. You had a long day. I'm thinking, but we had a whole year. We didn't. You had a whole year to sit at home and not do anything and not yeah. watch any hockey and sleep. So we don't need any sleep right now. I hear you. All right, take it away, my friend. Maryville University and Maryville Saints Hockey has presented Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, also brought to you by Verizon, the 5G and 5G Ultra Band for business that America has been waiting for. Maryville University and Maryville Saints Hockey. Come to Greater St. Louis and get a first-class education and a first-class hockey experience. Caesars Entertainment. Wherever you're bound, there's bound to be a Caesars Resort across the U.S. or worldwide. Roger Clans, Clancyon Tequila. Ultra-smooth, Arizona-owned. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com and try our original cocktail recipes. By OxyPal. Visit our full line of natural cleaning products at OxyPal.com. 
Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley V Boulevard in Las Vegas, where it always seems like it takes you longer to decide what to eat than to actually eat it. By Summer Skates. Doesn't matter what season, we still like to keep our drinks cold. Get your personalized koozies and shower shoes. Go to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. By M-Drive, presenting partner of What Drives You. M-Drive in the morning, relax at night. Our two-step system for energy, stamina, recovery. And by Behind the Mask, in the net, up the ice, or in line. Serving the Arizona hockey community and beyond since 1994. Maryville University and Maryville Hockey's Club Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and are available for download at Apple Podcasts, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on the TuneIn app. Just ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly presented by Maryville University and Maryville Hockey is a part of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network. Very well done, my friend. Uh, what a great conversation. Our thanks to Wade Regeer, the head coach at Minot State University, the uh, uh, defending ACHA D1 champions of uh, the national tournament coming up in Chesterfield, Missouri, the home of the Maryville Saints at the Maryville Hockey Center. Uh, just, uh, what, three, four weeks away from there? Not even four weeks, three weeks, I think, from now. So uh, we'll look forward to that. Stephen, thanks for uh, all you do. And to keep up the good work. We got all kinds of hockey coming up, as you mentioned. And we'll say goodnight with Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, De Niro. And I'll see you very soon because I know you'll be in Vegas real soon. Uh, Sunday at uh, noon. <laughs> and I know until next week you'll be here as well because we've got the games coming up. We'll- I will be there. We'll see you then. Bye bye.